0: Hey everyone, Ani here. I just want to let you know that we're trying out something new this time. In this season, we're featuring stories that exemplify our six values, and this time we have stories from some of our U.S. cities related to humility. But there was so much great material that we decided to split this episode into three shorter episodes and release them over the next few weeks. Enjoy the Serving Stories episode and keep your eyes and ears open for new ones real soon. There's a line in every city that separates the rich from the poor, the strong from the weak, the haves from the have-nots. It's a street, the train tracks, a river, a sidewalk. It's time to cross the line. Serve the City is a global movement of volunteers showing kindness in personal ways to people in need. We are the connection between the good intentions and talents of people who could volunteer and a meaningful opportunity to get involved. Serve the City is for everyone. It's a revolution, a serving revolution, and it's going to change the world. Cross the line. Serve the City. Welcome to Serving Stories, a podcast from Serve the City. I'm your host, Ani Deal. At Serve the City, one of our mottos that we repeat over and over is, many people doing small things together makes a big difference. It is a reminder of how much we can do if we all work together. But it's also a reminder of our value of humility, that none of us should be too proud to do small and humble acts of service for each other. That being said, after visiting Serve the City in the U.S. this year, we thought maybe we should add a variation to that motto. Many small people doing small things together can make a big difference.
1: Well, I'm Lucy, and I'm 11. I turned 11 two months
0: ago, and I'm in fifth grade. Lucy lives in Baltimore, Maryland, a major American city just north of Washington, D.C., We talked to her and to her stepmom, Erin Preshoot, by video conference.
2: My name is Erin Preshoot. I'm the director of Serve the City in Baltimore, and I have a stepdaughter, Lucy, who is 11, um, and she has an amazing heart and just loves to serve.
1: I've been doing Serve the City probably since I was like 15. It's for like five years now.
2: So, um, we've taken Lucy to an urban farm that provides f- fresh fruit and vegetables for the neighborhood. So she's gone and helped garden um, and that and work on that farm. Uh, we've taken her to like a Ronald McDonald type house where she has helped clean, but also engage with siblings and um, made cards for the kids as well. Um, She has helped make cards for elderly people.
0: Lucy, with several years experience under her belt, is a Serve the City veteran. Since she has often accompanied her mom, Erin, on projects she organized for volunteers, these are only a few of the Serve the City activities she has participated in.
2: And I think... Serve the City has been a blessing because she's been serving probably since she was about five. She's 11 now. And one, just for her to see how other people live. The
0: exposure to the city that Lucy has experienced through serving, combined with her natural warm-heartedness, has given her an unusual compassion for people around her.
2: She just has the biggest heart for people. And every night when we pray for dinner, she's always praying that, people who don't have food that they would get food. And she's just always on the lookout of helping others. And even like around the house, you know, I'll be emptying the dishwasher and she'll be like, no, mom, you go do something else. I'll do this. You know, she's just, she has just a servant heart. Um, I remember when she was probably around five years old, we were standing in a mirror and I was just like, what do you see? And she said something along the lines of like, I see a girl who loves homeless people and wants to help them.
0: Of course, we had to ask Lucy what her favorite Serve the City project was out of all her opportunities to serve.
1: I'm going to say Day of Hope. I just really like going to Day of Hope. I think it's really fun because if people can get what the things they need for free, because they can't afford it, we can give it to them.
0: So what is the Day of Hope? Downtown Baltimore is familiar to anyone who watches the TV series The Wire, a gritty depiction of a city struggling with drugs, poverty, crime, and corruption. Day of Hope is an event that takes place in the middle of these same troubled neighborhoods, offering a different picture of how things could be in the city.
2: So um, the Day of Hope, we partner with some other nonprofits, like Somebody Cares Baltimore. They're, they're the ones that really spearhead it. And, um, and the Baltimore police.
0: This is a chance for the police to show up in the community as supporters rather than as the force of law. Erin, in her role as director of Serve the City Baltimore, organizes all the dozens of volunteers who come to help out for the day.
2: The police are who usually identify what neighborhoods we should go to, and they're usually neighborhoods that are food deserts, um, that don't have resources. There is a lot of times a lot of violence that happens in those neighborhoods too, and we go and let them know that there's still hope. Well,
1: it almost reminds me of like a fair for people to go to just for free and get the things they need, or like a grocery store and a carnival almost together in a sort of way.
2: And we kind of just have like a big party. We have moon bounces and stuff for kids, and then we get a semi-truck of groceries to hand out for free. We also give a meal, like a hot meal that day. They've got games
1: and things, and but they've also got like food and they've got projects you can do and school supplies as well. But you, there's also bounds houses
0: and service providers. It might be easy for a cynical person to see the Day of Hope as a day of free handouts when the haves in the city pat themselves on the back for having done something for the have-nots. But... The free food and the carnival are an attraction intended to connect people with sources of help for longer term problems.
2: The biggest thing is we invite service providers, so people within the community that can provide different services because a lot of times in these neighborhoods people don't realize the services that are available to them. And so that's what we want to highlight so that when people need help, you know, paying their rent or their utility bill or getting a job or something like for their kids to do, like we want them to know like hey, there are these services there.
0: Sometimes To just the fact that people in these neighborhoods are not forgotten is what makes each day of hope so powerful.
2: I've heard a story about, you know, someone was really down and he was going to like get his gun and go retaliate on someone but when he came home, he saw that the cupboards had groceries in it and the kids, like his siblings had toys to play with. And when he saw that there were people that were giving to his family, he decided not to do whatever it was that he was planning on doing. And the crime rate in those neighborhoods go down like 23% after a day of hope has been there. You know, these families that they're trying their best, but they can't make ends meet. And so we're there to let them know, like there are people that still care about you. Like they might feel like they're forgotten, but they're not.
0: What role can a child volunteer play in this event on the mean streets of Baltimore?
2: Lucy, you know, she started as kind of my buddy, and I, I would do volunteer check-in and kind of oversee all of that. So she would help, you know, get wristbands on people or give them their meal tickets. Well, when
1: I was younger, we used um, probably my one of the jobs I really only had was passing out the tickets for people for their meals. And then when I got older, I helped out with passing out the meals.
2: Um, but now, you know, she loves to go and serve in the food tent and serve the food or hand out groceries or um, just really it's grown.
0: We asked Aaron. What are some of the challenges of having kids volunteer at a day like this?
2: One thing that's a challenge is when little kids come, they want to come and jump on the moon bounces. And the rule is if you're a volunteer, you know, those are for our guests. It's not for the volunteer kids. And for Lucy, it's never been an issue. I've never once had to tell her like no or have her begging me can I go because she she gets it she understands of like this is so much bigger than her and and also we kind of said to her like for these kids this is kind of like their Disney world like they don't have the chance to go other places and to do really fun things
0: maybe it can be a challenge helping kids put themselves in other shoes when they want to go on the moon bounce. But there are also ways in which the natural humility and unself-consciousness of kids makes them ideal to cross the lines at the heart of the city.
2: But it's neat too, because she gets to talk to the kids and she's playing on playgrounds and, you know, they'll just start talking and, you know, they don't see a difference, whether it's their economic status or their skin color or whatever it is. Like they just, they just see another kid and they just want to, Have a new friend. And so it's really cool just to watch that grow too.
0: And this is not the only time Lucy from a middle class suburban family has ventured as a volunteer into the heart of the city.
2: When we have big events, sometimes we'll invite the neighborhood to kind of let them know what we're doing and we'll have cards to invite them. And she walked with us, she was the only kid with a bunch of adults. And at first she was a little timid, but then she just kind of went after it and she was very bold and would just walk up to people and say, Hey, this is what we, we have this event going on. We'll have free groceries. We'll have all these things like you should come. And people reacted better to her than to us. Well,
1: some people are really happy when they like see us coming around because I think a few of them have gone there before and they know it's coming around again and they're just kind of happy that it's coming
2: i think a lot of people are giving handouts and um and they'll just like oh whatever but she like having a kid walk up to them um, and this was two years ago so she was nine
1: i do remember one time when we were passing it out flyers we ran into someone and we just handed him a poster and he's like free and his size got really wide, and he sounded really happy.
2: And also for her to see, like, we were in a food desert, so they don't have, like, normal grocery stores that we're used to, and they don't have resources. And so I had her walk into, like, the little bodega and just kind of observe, like, this is where they get a lot of their groceries.
1: Well, here we've got, like, a bunch of different grocery stores that we can go to, and they've got nice, fresh stuff. But when we were walking around, like, I've seen, like, tiny little stores that, don't have much not even much healthy stuff either usually it's just like candy and chips and stuff
2: a funny story is we were walking around and she kept asking like why do I keep smelling skunks why are there skunks in the city and all of the adults were just laughing hysterically <laughs> we're like yeah there are lots of skunks in the city <laughs> yeah it was pretty funny her to see, you know, how other people live. It's just been, I I think it's helped her to kind of expand her worldview and see, okay, there are people that need help.
1: Well, it's just like, you actually get to see what these people have to go through a lot and it's not usually very nice. So when Day of Hope comes, they can actually get what they need and it will probably be a little bit better.
0: But isn't it dangerous to take a nine-year-old into inner-city Baltimore? After all, if even half the things we see on the wire are true, it doesn't seem like a safe place to go with kids. We asked Erin Preshoot what she would say to parents who feel seriously nervous about doing something like this.
2: I would say I was probably that parent that would not want to take my kid there. and before I started working with Serve the City, I probably wouldn't have gone either. Um, now, when we do these neighborhood walks, we do have a police officer with us. Um, but over the years of just getting to know these neighborhoods, um, you just kind of know, you know, when it's time to leave, you learn the neighborhood. and so. Um, I knew that we were safe just because I've been there before. Um, And I think, you know, within Serve the City, we want to make sure that our volunteers are safe. And so we will make sure that they are, and we're not going to put them in a dangerous situation.
0: We also asked Lucy what she would say to parents who are nervous to let their kids volunteer. I'd probably say, well,
1: it's not going to harm them or, or anything because we've got other people there to protect them when we're doing these things. And it's also good that we get younger people to help because then they know what's going on in the world.
2: I think that family should. And it was, I mean, it was an amazing learning experience for Lucy and for me to watch it from her eyes too. Like I just learned a lot about that in her boldness. And when we had to say, okay, it's time to go, like she was upset because she's like, no, we still haven't gotten everyone. I there's more people that we still need to reach. There's
0: more people that we still need to reach. And that includes not only the people on the mean streets, but also other volunteers who could be mobilized to reach out to them.
2: So last year we had gotten school supplies and we were decorating Lucy's binder and I have like a silhouette machine so you can cut out whatever shapes you want. And so she wanted her name in Harry Potter writing and she wanted a butterfly and I was like okay we well still have some more room and so she said I want the serve the city logo on my notebook. Um and so that was just really cool that you know she loved it that much and she wanted to share it and so so kids would ask her like, Hey, what's that? You know, and she was able to share what Serve the City was and she loves to wear her Serve the City t-shirt with the values down the front of it. And yeah, she's just really proud about what Serve the City is.
0: We asked Lucy, what would she say to other kids in her class about volunteering? I think it's a good idea just because
1: like they, a lot of kids need to know sometimes about What's going on in the world? Because I know a lot of people probably don't know about it. And I think the older you get, the more you find out about this. But when you're younger, you could probably find out a lot more and just learn more while you're growing up.
0: We also wondered, what does she think she has learned from serving other people?
1: Well, I think it's taught me that that there are other people that need things more than us because they can't get it. They can't, some people can't even get like school supplies or even food and we can help with that.
2: And she just loves to share and she just, she just loves people and loves to serve people and, um, which is a huge blessing. And I've learned so much from her serving with her and watching her serve. Erin shared with
0: us a little snapshot of a time when she was really proud of her daughter's initiative in serving.
2: We went to a Ronald McDonald house in Baltimore, and it's for Johns Hopkins, the children's ward, their pediatric ward. Johns Hopkins is a
0: world-famous research hospital in Baltimore, to which many difficult cases are referred from around the country. This is a house provided for families of hospitalized children who have serious diseases or critical surgery to allow them to stay nearby their sick kids during this crucial time.
2: And we went and cleaned for them. So the kids that are sick aren't there, but the families are. And there were siblings that were there. And Lucy and her friend Carter, who uh, was the same age, and they were little, they were probably maybe seven, seven or eight. They just engaged with this sibling. And, you know, they're, they're, they're uprooted from their house. They're living in this place. Their sibling was sick.
0: This child would have been the healthy brother of another child who was in the hospital with a serious illness, staying in the house with his family during treatment.
2: You know, they just went up to him, just wanting to have a new friend and wanting to meet people. They just went and talked to him and played with them. And um, and at first they were like, oh, but we're supposed to be cleaning. And I was like, no, like this is more important. Like you guys go and play with this, with this kid. Aaron was
0: really struck with how meaningful this interaction would have been for this little boy and how natural it was for her daughter and her friend.
2: And so I'm sure that that just brightened his day. He had these two little friends to play with. I'm sure things were really scary for him and his family, like his parents were worried about his sibling. So he had some... A little bit of time just to play with friends and not have to think about that and instead get to engage with other kids and so just that child view of the world of oh here's a new friend for me you know rather than being worried about oh what are they going to think about me or um should i approach them or not like why not say hi and introduce yourself to someone
0: and this is where humility is so perfectly embodied by children who serve small people doing small things together can make a big difference, precisely because they have the humility of relating to others without self-focus. Erin shared with us what she has learned about humility from watching her daughter.
2: I think that just the viewing the world through a child's eyes, like I said, like having that childlike faith and When we see people not being afraid of, oh, am I going to say the right thing? Am I going to, you know, just if we want to say hi, then say hi. And you never know what's going on in that person's life. And so I think adults get too wrapped up in their own head about themselves of, oh, how is this going to make me look? And it's not about how you look. It's about, you know, how you can interact with that other person and love on that other person. And so I think kids do that so well. Um, I know. And Lucy definitely teaches me that.
0: Lucy had her own definition of what humility means. Nobody's perfect, and we can't
1: help it. It's nobody on Earth can be perfect. Even if you've tried, you can't be perfect at anything.
2: When she she goes up to people and she'll say hi, and sometimes she'll be a little shy, but as she warms up, you know, she, she'll go all in.
1: That's just me, though, too, because I'm an introvert half the time.
2: And it's not that she's worried about what she's going to look like. She just, uh, you know, wants to engage with people and love on people. And and she's always asking, how can she help more?
0: Erin also stated why she thought kids not only make an impact
2: on those they serve, but also on the adults they volunteer alongside. And sometimes people think, oh, well, kids can't do enough. Like, they, they're they not really going to make an impact. And it's those little things that they can do that, that kids help break down adults too. Like if, a, if an adult sees a kid doing something, either they'll be more receptive of it or they can say, well, if that kid can do it, then so can I. So I think those are two things that, that kids can really help impact in, when serving people.
0: Small people doing small things together with each other and adults can make a big impact. But serving with humility can also make small people want to do some big things someday.
2: We had gotten her this book that is called "Kid Activists," so it has like activists like Martin Luther King and um, Frederick Douglass and others like Alexander Hamilton and like what their life was as kids and kind of what helped them do the things that they did. Lucy
0: explained to us what it was that an activist did.
1: Well, activists do like to help out people and make things right and fair, which I find really nice and helpful to a lot of people. Because some people, like, I don't know exactly the time period, but a lot of women weren't allowed to vote for their president, even. So it's like, well... Now this is just making it unfair because women can't vote. Then what are we supposed to do?
0: Apparently this book and this idea got Lucy thinking.
2: So Lucy's teacher has them write for 10 minutes every day. They can write whatever they want, poems, stories. So the other day showed me what she wrote. And usually she doesn't show me, but she was very excited about it. And it's just a really amazing piece.
1: All righty, let me find the page. I'm glad I put a bookmark in there.
2: I don't know if I can read it without getting choked up. That's the problem. (laughs) And so she wrote,
1: If you've ever thought that you can't do anything, you are wrong. You can do anything you set your mind to. Well, maybe not fight a Dementor in Harry Potter. That would be kind of hard.
2: There are many jobs in the world, and some people have a preference.
1: For me, I want to do something to help change the world to be a better place. Some jobs for that would be an activist or a teacher to teach his homeless children.
2: There are people who want to use their abilities for bad things in the world. There are
1: people in history who have made a difference in the world, like Alexander Hamilton, one of our founding fathers who gave us a ranking program.
2: Or Frederick Douglass, who fought against slavery.
1: Or Malala Yufatsi, who fought for education. Martin Luther King,
2: who had a dream.
1: Or Sally Ride, the first woman to go into space. These people made a difference in the world, and so can we.
2: Well, and she came and interrupted me during a meeting and was like, I need to show you what I wrote. And I was like, let me finish my meeting. And then she wrote that, and I was reading it out loud to her, but then I got choked up, so I had to stop because it's just so beautiful, and that just shows her heart.
0: The five-year-old who looked in the mirror and saw a girl that wanted to help homeless people continues to want to serve those around her and to encourage others to join in. There are people that need
1: our help and serve the city is trying to help those people, but we are gonna need other people to help in little ways as well. Because every small thing, it just helps into a big thing
0: someday. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Serving Stories. If this story inspired you, please share it with someone else to encourage them and subscribe, rate, and comment so others can find it as well. I've been your host, Lonnie Deal. Serving Stories this week was written and produced by Shannon Deal. Technical production and original music by Parker Deal. Designed by Jeremy Malingro. Special thanks to Erin Preshoot of Serve the City Baltimore for allowing us this intimate glimpse into not only her program, but her family. We will be back soon with more stories of humility from cities doing Serve the City in the United States and how small people doing small things together can make a big difference. Keep on serving and sharing your stories.